For many years now, I have had an interest in how the brain functions, how the various areas of the brain helps us carry out our tasks. I've been interested in how exactly we we deal mentally and emotionally with the various scenarios that life may present us with. I've had an interest in the care of the brain, especially lately, the past couple of weeks or even the past couple of months. This has become an even more acute interest and concern of mine. This, the, the most pressing issue or the most at the forefront sort of issue has been my continued recovery from a concussion. So I've been interested in what contributes to the physical healing of the brain as well as how to best preserve its mental capacities and functions. And so I've certainly learned some things the past couple of weeks that I was not privy to prior to that. So that, that's, that's one more immediate way that, that, that my interest has been engaged lately. I am happy to say that I am certainly in a much better place brain-wise than I was when I talked about my, my concussion a few podcast episodes ago. So I'm, I'm glad for that. Every day there's a bit more improvement. Still not feeling normal yet, but getting closer to whatever that is supposed to look like for me. So, so that, that's one present and presenting issue that has, my, has engaged my interest. Another second one is, has been more far-reaching, has, has been around for quite a number of years now, that, that being my, my issues with anxiety and how best to, to regulate it, how best to cope with it, how best to treat it. And one of the ways that this has occurred has been that I've been on a regular Lexapro prescription for a number of years now. And so this has been an ongoing concern. I could look back even further than this prescription has, than I've had this prescription and, and name instances where, where this was a problem. Years, even decades before any kind of official treatment had begun. So mental health and mental illness related issues have long been a concern and an interest of mine. The, the third 
not as immediate, but certainly one particular cause this year for me that has that has drawn my interest that has engaged is a a book that I have read recently entitled No Self No Problem by Chris Niebauer who examines the functions of the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain and intersperses it or combines it with Buddhist teachings. Now, in brief, and I've talked about this in a past episode as well, in brief, the less left side of the brain is the more analytical, the more rational side, the one that tries to piece together a narrative from our various experiences, past and present, and even possibly future. Whereas the right side of the brain, it's more immediate. It's concerned with what's right in front of us, and it's, it's more creative. It's, it's more emotive. And, and this, this subject, the, the, the subject matter of this book ha, has greatly intrigued me. It has stuck with me ever since I read it, which was earlier this year, much earlier this year. But I continue to think about it because I am one of those who really, really, really and overly relies on the left side of the brain and and is perhaps a little too interested in constructing an overarching narrative of my experiences and tries to fit things into certain holes in my life and so on. And so this reading this book was a bit was not only interesting and informative, but but I'm, I'm working toward the liberation that that the subject matter is bringing as well. So my my interest in the brain ha- has taken various forms over the decades, but but this is these three things are probably what presently makes up that interest. Why am I telling you all this? Well, it's because I I've come across some more learnings related to the brain, specifically as regards productivity, as regards what what how we can best engage our mental selves as we go through our day, whether it is specifically in terms of the our careers, our jobs, but also in terms of other tasks that we may be entrusted or that we just simply have to do in a particular day. And and so I've I've come across some of these things and, and I thought they were interesting and I, I, I'm still trying to apply them in my own life. And, and I figured, you know, this sounds, this sounds interesting and perhaps even life altering enough that others might find it interesting as well. 
And, and so I wanted to take a little bit of time to, to share these with you, share just a little bit of my very, very, very amateur understanding of brain function. You know, if I have to do it, I'll, I'll say it. it the, here's a disclaimer. I am certainly not an expert by any means. I'm not a psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist, counselor, anything like that. But so, so this is a very amateur sort of deal that I'm, that I'm throwing up here and certainly feel free to double check anything that I say, the remainder of this episode. Um, so that, that's, that's what I want to do over the course of, of the last 20 ish minutes that I might end up talking here. So engage me, indulge me in some brain related subject matter that I have found beneficial and that you may find beneficial for your own life as well. Welcome to the Coffee House Contemplative Podcast. So since the end of July, it has been a requirement at my workplace that all quote-unquote Cleveland area employees are to work physically in our offices two days at least two days a week. Previously to that, we were mostly remote, or, or most of us were remote. I started in this position a month after the COVID shutdowns began. And for the most part, it's, it seemed like something that was just going to continue indefinitely. We the, the national setting of the United Church of Christ moved to a smaller space. We used to have a, a whole building in downtown Cleveland. and But then the, the decision was made for a variety of reasons to move out of that building, sell it, and instead rent a single floor in another downtown building. And, and part of this was that we, we didn't need as much space, that, that the way that we work has changed and not everybody needs their own individual office and, and so on and so forth. But then after this move took place, some time passed, and then the announcement was made, we are requiring all Cleveland area employees to work physically 
in our new office two days a week, which I live at about an hour south of Cleveland. And so this would put a, a certain a, a certain extra responsibility on me to commute two days a week up to back and forth. This has certainly presented challenges and it has been a bit of an adjustment and even so many months into having to do this, it, it is still, there's still adjustment that, that is happening for me. I still haven't figured out the, the best new way to balance this situation with other aspects of my life. I'm still, still working on that. But the other challenge has been discovering how best to work while I am there, while I am physically in that building. I, I do not have a designated office, which was my understanding ever since I started in this role with the new reality that was presented at that time. But so instead, what happens is our our floor has some designated spaces for staff who do not have a designated office, but who otherwise are tasked with working in, in that environment. So so the first option is we have a tiny amount of what's called remote space. So, so my, my area is justice and local church ministries. There's an office for JLCM re, re, remote staff. There, there is another office that is designated for wider church ministries staff. Those are, those are, two, three of the, of the four areas that make up the national setting. And so if you're, it's first come first serve and I am never first come for, for that particular thing. So I just let that go. Another option available to us is just this, this open space on the floor, the, this open plan space where there's just a line of desks and you can just pick one and work there the, the downside being that it is an open workspace. So if there are other people there, you might end up being distracted. So, so that I, I don't, I don't prefer that as well. So the third option, the one that I have been using is that we have a certain amount of what are called pod offices. They're, they're just these little extra offices that people can reserve. It's not first come first serve. Well, it can be, but you also have the option of intentionally reserving it. And this is what I tend to do. They have their own little sliding door. It's, it's not that big of a space. I, I have tended to call these places. I, I call my pod office that I usually end up in my, my little white box office because it really quite literally is a little white box. The walls are white. 
the desk is white. I shut the door and I very much am in a box. But for what is available to me, this is usually the best option that I have. And I, it's something that I am making work, given the particulars of the situation. Now, I have noticed that I, I function pretty well in my little white box for probably an hour to 90 minutes. And then I experience a, a drop-off in brain activity where I just, it's equal parts boredom and equal parts antsiness and equal parts fatigue or just I'm, I, I'm tired and I'm bored and I'm antsy. If you can picture those things all fitting together somehow. And I feel the need to get up and get out of my little white box. And what I usually do when I do that is I do what I call and what other employees call taking a lap. Our floor plan is arranged as such where there is an outer hallway that is just like a big square around the outside of the 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 furthest outside of the office there there are offices on both sides usually but nevertheless you can make a nice little circuit walking around this big square and so what I do is, is when I hit this point, I get up and I walk the square at least once. I take a lap and, and sometimes I stop at one of the stations that has coffee and I get a refill of that and then I continue my lap and then I'll sit back down and I feel a little better and I am able to maybe spend another hour to 90 minutes before it's time to take a lap again. Now recently, I discovered that there is a name for this 60 to 90 to 2 hour brain wall that you can hit. This is something called an ultradian rhythm. That is, there is this rhythm and our bodies have multiple rhythms, really. But And this is one of them. The, a rhythm where we start at the beginning of this rhythm with a lot of energy. We're focused. We are, we're engaged. We have high energy. And we're able to get done whatever it is that we're needing to get done. And that lasts for anywhere between 60 to 90 to 120 minutes. Where at that point, at some point in there, our energy level starts to decline. And so when we start 
that decline will eventually hit a point where we just cannot do any more. We cannot handle any more brain activity for at least a little while. And so at that point, we need to take a break in order to recharge and start a new Ultradian rhythm. If you think about it, it's like a series of little mini peaks and valleys. So, so when you're in the thick of it, when, when you're energized and you're engaged, that, that's, that's the peak. That's when you're at your most engaged and, and you're able to get stuff done. But then eventually you hit a valley. And when you're in that valley, the recommendation is you need to step away. And you need to give your time, your brain and your body, really, some time to take a rest so that eventually you can begin ascending up another peak. And so unwittingly, I was engaging in this Ultradian rhythm recharging Whenever I realized that I just cannot sit in this box a moment longer, I need to take a lap or I need to get more coffee or I just need to go and stare out the window at Lake Erie for a few minutes or I need to go to one of our big open spaces that, that has a comfortable chair and I, I just need to let my brain not do this right now. And so now I know I have a name for that. It's an Altradian rhythm cycle. It's me stepping away so that I can rest and recharge my brain batteries to engage in another ascension up the, the peak, toward the peak. My therapist was talking to me about this stuff, some of this stuff recently. Did I mention I'm, I'm seeing a therapist? No, now you know. And, and he was talking to me, he was telling me about the, the various chemicals in the brain that get released when, when we need to be more motivated and focused. And, and so the big chemical that is released for this purpose is dopamine. So that when you first wake up and you're feeling a little more motivated and focused, maybe not immediately, but eventually, you know, after, after you've done whatever wake up routine and, and it's dopamine that gets you into the day and gets you engaged in whatever you need to do. And then later in the day, contrast that with later in the day when serotonin starts to take over the chemical that that helps you start to wind down from the day and maybe you're you're getting a little more quiet and you're getting a little more you're relaxed and you're you're not as hyped up to to do whatever it is you need to do that's that's serotonin working dopamine the motivation chemical serotonin the winding down sort of chemical and 
so so I was asking him about um, the you know the, this when this happens at work and when I when I have to take a lap when when I have to when I, when I'm feeling like I'm I'm hitting a bit of a wall and, and how to get reengaged and and this sort of thing and so I w- I was asking well what what about later in the day like when when I still have to do stuff and and his response I don't know why I found this so engaging amusing it stuck with me but but his response is oh it's all dopamine it's all dopamine when when you when you need the motivation when you need to be engaged when you need to get back into that up into that peak space of the ultradian rhythm it's all dopamine you you need dopamine to do that and so what whatever it is that helps us go through that time of of healing that time of rest that time of rejuvenation what you're needing is to re restock your dopamine for what comes next and so i i guess i'm i'm just celebrating that i have names for these things these things that maybe i was unwittingly doing that my my brain and body were already telling me to do and and now i have names for all of them and it may be that you can re, you can name these moments as well when when you have been engaged in some task for anywhere between an hour and 2 hours and then you just hit this boredom antsy tired wall and you need to step away and you have found that stepping away has reinvigorated you to continue the task it turns out it's the ultradian rhythm and it turns out it's all dopamine At this point, having explored the ultradian rhythm in brief, very, very brief, now, now there, there are two separate but related questions that we should be asking. And, and they're, they're related, they, they're intertwined even. And so the first question would be, well, how, how can I engage or maximize the peak period in the Altradian rhythm, the time when I am most motivated and productive and dopamined up? What, how do I best take advantage of that and, and focus myself and so on? So how, how do I best do that? The other question 
the related question is when I hit that bored, antsy, tired wall, the, the valley part of the Altradian rhythm, what, what best can I do when I step away? What, what best can I engage in healing, in rest, in rejuvenation? So, so the, these are related. You, you want to maximize both parts of the Altradian rhythm. You, you want to give your brain its best chances of success in both spaces, both the peak space and the recovery space. So let, let's deal with the peak space first, that, motivate, that motivated part of the Altradian rhythm. Now, there, there are, and again, with, with both of these questions, there are a lot of different possibilities. But basically, the answer to the, the question about the peak space is how can you best remove distractions? How can you best focus yourself? And the way that I'm going to start answering this question is to bring up the wisdom of one of my favorite writers, artists, creatives, that being Austin Kleon who talks in one of his books and frequently on his blog about building what he calls a bliss station. That, that is how to construct for yourself a, a little cocoon of sorts so that you can do your, your best work, at least for a little while. So he offers three suggestions for building this bliss station. So first suggestion is put your phone on airplane mode. This removes both the distractions in terms of anyone who may be trying to text you or call you or message you. This will also remove the capacity to mindlessly pick it up and start scrolling on social media or the internet or anywhere else. It removes that capability from your phone. So that's the first thing, airplane mode. The second thing, he says, put in a pair of earplugs so you remove all noise distractions from your surroundings. Or my take on it, my, my adaptation of this, and again, the, this, was, this was something that I was unwittingly doing, much like my taking a lap, is, is to use earbuds or noise-canceling headphones. So instead of removing noise, I instead add the noise that I prefer, that usually being music. I take my old school classic iPod with me to my little white box 
nearly every time. Some Sometimes I forget it or sometimes I forgot to charge it and so I'll leave it at home. But th this removal of sound that you don't want and, and either adding sound you do want or just earplugs, no sound at all. So that's the second thing that, that he suggests for a bliss station. The third thing he suggests, Cleon suggests, is set a timer. Now his suggestion is 15 minutes. And it may be that, you know, you do in, in the, over the course of a, the peak of your ultradian rhythm, maybe you do 15, tiny break, 15, tiny break, 15, tiny break, as long as that can last. Or maybe you just set a longer timer. When I have sat down to write my books, I'll usually set an hour timer and I'll just do as much work on the book within an hour that I can. And then when that, that timer goes off, I step away. And again, this was before I knew about this Altradian rhythm stuff, but, but to focus for a certain amount of time and then the timer goes off and you say, okay, break time. And maybe you come back or maybe you're done depending on the specifics of, of your life's demands. But I, I found that I found Cleon's suggestion to be a pretty good introduction or primer. Some other, well, we'll, we'll get back. Uh, no, we won't get back because I was about to talk about the other side of it, the valley side. So let's move on to that. So what sorts of things can be done when you hit that bored, distracted, antsy, tired wall? And so obviously one of the things is get out of your chair, just move, get away from your computer, get away from your desk, get away from the task, remove yourself for at least a few minutes, walk, exercise, stretch, but, but do it for more than like a minute. So, okay, I'm done. Little, you know, 60 seconds breaks over. You, you need more time than that. And so again, going back to my therapist and, and what he suggested, he said, so, okay, you usually take a lap. What if you took two laps? What if you took three laps? And basically the question became, how many laps could you take before it got weird? And <laughs> so... Basically, you you have you might end up having to get weird when you're in the valley of the Altradian rhythm. How how long can you step away? How many laps can you take before it starts feeling strange? Other other possibilities: sleep, taking a nap. Naps are awesome. We a lot of us don't appreciate naps, or maybe it is that we do, but we still aren't able to, for whatever reason, take them. We rationalize that we can't, but sleep is a great way to rest our brains before returning to something that we need to do. Now, I would never deign to sleep in my white box. Uh, that, that just might bring some other problems. Um, so, so obviously context is important for that particular thing. Taking walks, I mentioned, 
just getting up to maybe make yourself a snack, getting up to talk to someone, getting up, just getting up and doing something else for longer than 30 seconds. The, it may even be more beneficial to do 10 to 15 to 20 minutes. Now, this part of the question, this, the, these answers to this, how do I re-engage my brain? How do I rest it? You, you begin to perhaps think here, oh, I couldn't go that long. I, 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 have, I have work to do. I, I, have to, I, I might be judged by, by someone for taking so long. Well, the reality is, Whatever our job is, we do not actually work eight hours a day. We instead, there, there are just breaks that we build for ourselves. We have our, all of our own metaphorical laps that we take over the course of a day. And so instead of pretending that that's not so, or instead of trying to live up to some ideal that nobody actually lives up to, instead, we may embrace that we will be able to do better work, stay more engaged with our lives, stay more energized, for the tasks at hand if we give our brains the proper space to rest and rejuvenate and restore the dopamine that we need to carry on. Thank you for listening to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. I'm Jeff Nelson. You can find more about my writing, including all my books, at jeffreynelson.com. You can also find me on social media, Jeffrey A. Nelson on Facebook, and I'm at Bold Roast Rev on Instagram and elsewhere. Have a great week.